0: To Limited Playtime, the board game podcast, where we bring you board game reviews in 30 minutes or less.
1: What the hell is that? You didn't do your line. Oh, the next episode is free. <laughs> I'm Kyle Bolin. I'm,
0: I'm Jason Cavallari. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Limited Playtime. This week, we are talking about the Lord's of water deep this isn't there's no the in front of that i take it back we're talking about lords of water deep water deep water deep uh designed by peter (laughs) lee and ronnie thompson what
1: this is a tangent but have you ever seen that um saturday night live skit with will ferrell and rachel dratz where they play the lovers in the hot tub nope oh anyway will ferrell keeps referring to it as the hot tub (laughs) water deep (laughs) well
0: yeah sometimes you just got to say things your own
1: way you know jason (laughs) yeah
0: forge your own path that's right your own verbal your own verbal sidewalk through life (laughs) uh there's a lot of artists here it lists uh eric uh, Belisle, Steven, Beladin, Zoltan, Baros, Noah Bradley, and then it says plus 29 more. Ooh. So we're just going to stop there. This is published by Wizards of the Coast, who owns the Dungeons and Dragons IP. Uh, that's when I'm saying D&D for the rest of the episode. What I mean is Dungeons and Dragons. You shorten that to D&D when you're in the know, like me. <laughs> like us hip cats, right, Jason? Right. Yep, that's Uh, what we are. So Lords of Waterdeep is a Euro game. It is a worker placement game that takes place within the city of Waterdeep, where each player is going to basically take on the role of one of the great houses of Waterdeep, meaning like, you know, like a family or whatever, or I don't know, like a faction or something. Mm -hmm. Um, And you're going to be trying to get the most number of points by the end of the game, which is measured in rounds. And you do that by using your little workers, or whatever, agents, I agents, think they're called. Yeah, agents, uh, and, and putting them in different locations of Waterdeep to get you resources that you can then use to complete quests, which then reward you with victory points, as well as certain other things, like more resources, or cards, or what have you. Right. Um, so this is a game that I've had for quite a while. It came out in 2012. I feel like I've had it since around then. Uh, I've played quite a few times over the years, and I've played it a couple times in the last few months, but not within the last month or so. So this is one time where I'm talking about a game that I haven't actually played in a while, but Jason played it on Monday.
1: And I've played it
0: exactly once. (laughs) Yeah, so you've got limited playtime, but you've got recent playtime, which I think is going to be valuable here. So,
1: Jason, do you want to take a stab at explaining how you actually play Waterdeep? Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, basically, it's a worker placement game. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have a bunch of like, agents from your, your house, and then you take turns placing them on buildings that do various things. <laughs> there's static buildings on the board. So like when yeah. you fold out the board, there's like a certain number of static
0: buildings that give certain resources or you know, cards or whatever or allow you certain actions on the board that are always available. And then there's a bunch of blanks on the side of the board that are sort of variable through the game.
1: Yeah, and you can end up like purchasing like other buildings later on. To... Yeah, they're specifically
0: yeah. buildings that
1: become the the new action spaces on those blank spaces on the side of the board. Right. Yeah. Um, and basically, what you're doing with these workers is you're just trying to fulfill fulfill quests because uh, that's sort of the, as Kyle said, sort of the main thrust of the game is like how you get points basically. Yeah. So, what does a quest look like in this game? Um. Well, it can be all. There are all kinds of stuff. Um,
0: well, there's like different categories. There's like four or five yeah, or six different categories. Yeah, I and the,
1: the categories like give you an indication of like what kind of agents would be more successful at that mm-hmm. particular thing, so that the agents have like have is it, like almost like class specs kind of like you can be more like arcane or you can be more warrior like or are you
0: talking like about the the houses are you talking about the yeah oh sorry yeah your, your
1: individual house yeah so when
0: you pick yeah. your role your house uh you will get basically when you get a card that says like you know you are the you know house of I don't know, Winterfell or whatever, that's not in the game, Um, but whatever the example within the Lords of Waterdeep, right, it'll tell you that you're going to get bonus points at the end of the game for every Skulldorger quest you've completed, or every Piety quest that you've completed, Um, and quests are just basically categorized in in several different ways, and two of those things for most of the houses are going to give you a bonus, and then there's one other house that does something else, I can't remember what, but um, that's basically like, nine times out of ten, that's what you're going to be doing uh, throughout the game, is trying to basically focus a little bit heavier on a couple of the specific types of quests because you're going to get some bonus points at the
1: end just based on who you are. Right, yeah. Um yeah, and I mean that's kind of I mean uh... That's yeah. kind of it. <laughs> well, c- completing a quest, I wanted to talk about completing
0: oh, a quest completing because like a quest, in, s- yeah. in certain games like, you know, completing a quest means like, you know, going to this location and doing this thing, right? But in this quest or in this game, when we do a quest, what we're doing is we're basically just fulfilling a certain number of resources listed on that quest. Oh, so yeah. it's going to say like, you know, you need two priests and you need three warriors and, you know, like four gold in order to complete this quest. And so if you have those resources on your turn, you can just say I'm going to fulfill this quest and you turn in those resources. And then you get whatever rewards are listed at the bottom of the card, which can be like you know fifteen victory points, and then also hey, you're also going to get you know a, a magic man, whatever they call them, <laughs> wizards or whatever. It's one of the resources, a right? Like there's, well, they've got a bunch of like different colored cubes, and each one of those is a type of like you know like class in in Dungeons and Dragons. So you've got warriors, and you've got rogues, and you've got priests, and probably wizards, I guess. Um, so you know you're going to get those things as rewards sometimes at the end of the quest. Sometimes you might get money. Sometimes you 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 might just get like a card and sometimes it's just victory points. Um, but you're going to move your little token around the outside of the scoring track and you're going to log all the points that you earned. You're going to get any other resources that you might've earned that then you could use towards future quests, um, or towards, you know, certain actions on the board because certain actions allow you to, you know, like turn in two black cubes, which I believe are rogues. And now you can get like, you know, three white cubes for those. So there's like a certain way you can convert things into, you know, you've got too many of this one thing. Well, you know, there's an action on the board that allows you to convert that into something more useful to you right now. Yeah. So a lot of that on the board, you know. Um, there's a couple of different types of cards. Well, there's the quest cards, and then there's the um, I want to call them divine intervention cards because we were talking about <laughs> Kevin we last week. About Kemen, yeah. Intrigue, right? Aren't they called intrigue, the intrigue cards? Intrigue cards, yeah. Yeah. So intrigue cards just do like any number, a, a very uh, a, a wide variety of things, right? Like they might allow you to like you know steal resources from somebody or just get resources, um, use a use a building on the on the board that's already been used by another person's worker. Um, you Because know, in worker placement games, generally when you take an action, there's only room for one person to take that action per round, yep. and that, that is the case in this game. It might be a, a quest that you can make somebody do a mandatory quest where you can play it on them, and basically what that means is they have to complete that quest, and they'll get like a small number of victory points. It's usually sort of like, <laughs> sort of like a you know a screw you number of victory points. Like you're gonna have to it's waste like a, a bunch of resources in him, and time, yeah. yeah. Um, but like you're gonna be giving them like a little bit of resources or a little bit of uh, victory points for doing that. Um, but you're requiring they're required to complete a mandatory quest before they can do any of the quests they actually want to do. So there's things like that that come out of the intrigue deck, and then you know know, like all the quests come out of the quest deck as well as like a, a uh there's like sort of like a, a selection of four quests that are always public towards the top of the board yeah. um that you can choose from with one of the actions and, and yeah at the heart it's very much a basic worker placement game, um with a little bit of nuance in terms of how the buildings work. Mm-hmm So, like, when you buy a building with one of the actions, the action on the ability is available to everybody for the rest of the game, but you're going to mark the building with your house marker to show that you own that building, and if anybody else uses that building on their turn, you get a benefit from it. So, all the buildings have, like, a benefit to the owner, as well as the action that they provide to the person that's using the building. So... If you're trying to, you know, if, if if you're you really need these like two priests this turn to complete your quest, and I already took the priest action on the static part of the board. The only thing left is like, you know, a little place that is a building that gives you priests and I happen to own it. When you take that action, you're going to be giving me something basically. Yeah. So it's one of those games that kind of like makes you feel a little bit crappy about using certain actions because you don't want to be helping your opponents and they happen to own those buildings, so it's helping them. Uh but sometimes you just really don't have a better option and so you end up doing it anyway.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I mean that's it. <laughs> More or less, yeah. More or less. Know. I mean, there's yeah. not a whole lot like it's, it. it's a game that like as it moves on uh everybody gets like an extra action halfway through the game um so unlike Agricola where you've got to work to get your additional uh workers you know and 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 basically yeah. like more actions per round everybody just, just gets them your... yeah like on the fifth round or whatever like they yeah. just come out and you get them and then there happens to be there's a couple of buildings that allow you to basically get like you know an extra action as well which um you know that's another thing but like there's there's a lot of there's a lot of options within the game in terms of like oh, the different sure. buildings that come out and different ways that so you know it's not going to feel like the exact same set of options every time you play this game um, compared to something like Agricola where it's the same number same type the same exact options come out in terms of the uh, you know the actions on the spaces uh, it's just like in there there in Agricola the order that they are, they come out in is different um, in this game you're going to see like a variation in what is available from game to game
1: yeah. Um. So, okay, so I've played this game once, as uh-huh. I mentioned before. What'd you think? Um, <laughs> I... I can see this game being something I might enjoy playing for, like, maybe ten or fewer times. Uh-huh. And then ha- it getting just really boring. Yeah? Yeah. For a couple of reasons. One is... Well, I I feel like if somebody were going to get me like into this game and they sold it as like a game that's set in the world of D and D, I'd be like, <laughs> yes, I'm all about that. Uh huh. And then you play it, and it's like, wow, this theme is pasted on. Yeah, <laughs> there is nothing adventury about it. But you're completing a piety quest, Jason. It's, whatever, complete a quest. It's not. It's not you, like you went and slayed a dragon or something. And you was led an epic the priests. Battle. You led the priests to the card and they said a prayer. I, yeah, it's stuff like that. And it's like, it's just not that exciting. Now that said, like, it could at least be a decent Euro game. Um, and I think it it is, is it? a decent Euro game for okay. a little while. <laughs> but um, it's kind of, I don't want to say s- simple, but I actually, I actually, maybe I do want to say that. I feel like it is kind of simple. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's really easy to learn. Um, yeah. And there, there are choices to be made, but I particularly didn't think that any of the choices to be made were really hard decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what if you feel that's true as well.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it definitely feels like one of those sort of gateway Euro worker placement games to me. Uh I I think that the complexity is just there enough that you can. Set it in front of somebody who's never played a worker placement game before, and say, "Hey, if you're interested in this type of game, if you'd like to try out a worker placement game, this is a particularly non-threatening one to learn and get into." Yeah. And I feel like that maybe is the best use case for Lords of Waterdeep, is is introducing somebody to the worker placement, you know, Euro, you know, sub sub genre or whatever of Euro games. Yeah. Uh, And because, like you said, like there's just not. There's not a terrible amount of depth and, um, you know, like I said, there's a lot of different variation in what happens in a game of Lords of Waterdeep because of the different actions that come out through the buildings that become available, but I always feel like whenever I'm playing the game that, you know, the choices that I'm making are often dictated by the cards that I get uh, for quests, right? Right. And and that's a little bit randomized, right? I mean, the buildings are too,
1: but... And it's also like the the vehicle through which you get most of your points, so it's kind of necessary that you do that. For a Euro game, it feels
0: like I'm being railroaded down a certain path a little bit more than I am in certain other in, in certain other Euro games, especially worker placement games. Right. Mm-hmm. So, like when we were talking about Agricola or a Feast for Odin, which are worker placement games, I'm deciding where I want to try to earn my points. Right. I'm saying I want to go whaling, as you know, this Feast for Odin, or I want to go, you know, like I want to just basically acquire goods and then like upgrade them, upgrade them, upgrade them, and then I want to go take Greenland, Greenland, right. Or in Agricola, I'm saying I'm going to go real heavy into vegetables this game, and I'm only going to get the bare minimum amount of animals just to make sure I don't get negative points, right? Mm -hmm. And so, like, there's certain choices that I'm making when I play those games. Whereas when I'm playing Lords of Waterdeep, I'm already looking for two types of quests from the beginning because of who I randomly got in terms of my house. Mm -hmm. And then I'm really just dealing with whatever quests happen to fit that the best throughout right. the game, yeah. and and then I'm just basically trying to fulfill the workers that are required or you know the resources that are required to complete those quests. And right, so yeah. for a Euro game, for a worker placement Euro game, I feel like this game is railroading me on my choices a little bit more, if not a lot more, than certain yeah. other
1: alternatives within the genre. Yeah, no, I think that's that's really accurate. I think you put that a good way. It's like, mm-hmm. I, I don't think I've played a Euro game where... I felt like the game was pushing me in a specific direction. This hard, like, right? Like, yeah, like it has in this game.
0: Yeah, it, it feels like a game where instead of just saying, hey, here are your choices available to you, do your best, right? It's saying, this is what you need to do, okay? Right, yeah. And you figure out using these actions in front of you how to do that, okay? And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I think that's why you've got that sort of feeling that it might get a little old after five to ten plays. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And and so there it is, right? It's a game that is not a bad game. It's probably a good game to just introduce somebody to the uh the, the mechanic of, you know, action selection or worker placement. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's probably gonna be a game that is going to be a stepping stone to other games that offer a broader selection of sort of strategies, right? Right. Um, so this is very much a gateway game, both in the complexity of it that allows you to teach and learn the game uh, quickly and and introduce these mechanics to somebody in a way that is clear and makes sense, but also in the sense that you're probably going to want to leave it behind before too long. Yeah. So yeah. you got to make a choice there about whether or not you're you know, you you want a stepping stone game to get up into you know more complicated things in terms of strategy and depth. Mm-hmm. Um, if that's the case, then and if you can find like a copy of Lords of Waterdeep particularly cheap, or you know go play it a few times at a local game shop, then you know this game has some value. But if you just want something that you're going to want to be able to play 50 times before you want to think about
1: playing something else, then probably keep looking. Yeah. Now, I, that said, there are a couple of things about the game that I actually thought were kind of cool. Uh huh. Um, was the
0: insert one of them?
1: <laughs> no, that's not what I was thinking of. But oh. <laughs> go on. <laughs> um, one of them was uh, my. I found this mildly interesting. Was the thing that you were mentioning about like when you actually when you build a building you claim it and if somebody else uses it you get like a small bonus. Yeah, I liked that. I thought it was like yeah a good way of um, incentivizing people to. Uh, to build things and then disincentivizing people to actually use those right. besides you. It's one of That's those really nice little that.
0: mechanics that creates a little bit of, like, anxiety or a little bit of, like, antipathy in a game, yeah. you know, yeah. with
1: your, within your opponents. Yeah. Which is always fun. Uh, and the other thing I liked was, sort of in the same vein, was, was the intrigue cards. I thought those were mm-hmm. kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, I guess those can add a little bit more variety, but again, it's sort of random.
0: So, like, you know, in a, in a Euro game... Randomness is usually something that is tried to be kept to a minimum, and mm-hmm. in this particular game, there's uh, quite a bit more of it than a typical Euro. Yeah,
1: I um, mean, so, I think the so thing that fun. I liked it is that I liked about it is that, um, like, typically in a Euro game, you're not going to have like a lot of direct confrontation, and the intrigue cards were, I mean, not exactly direct, but they were more of a way that you could screw with the other players. Some of them are pretty normal. direct, like there's
0: there's straight up like you know take somebody's rogues or something like that. Oh yeah, that, you know, I mean like they're cards, they're kind so.
1: of all over the place, but. Um, yeah,
0: they are. So I mean, like, there's a lot of like interesting, fun things that come out of those intrigue cards. But again, like, it's it's one more random element in a game in, in a game that exists in a genre that is typically known for you know like reducing randomness to a minimum, right, if not yeah. like completely eliminating it. Yeah. Um. So it, it's a little bit of a weird disconnect between the type of game that it is and the way that it plays. But again, I still think it's fun. Um if somebody really wanted to play Lords of Waterdeep when they came to my house, I I wouldn't be against it. It's not going to be the first thing that I choose to take off the shelf and and set up for somebody, but I, yeah. you know, I always have a decent time when I'm playing it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think it's a good game. It's just not a great game. Yeah. Um, component-wise, I actually think it's pretty great. (laughs) (laughs) The board Uh, is really nice. The board's really nice. The cards have a really great finish. They're very sturdy. Um, It has an insert that if you don't jostle the game box at all and you don't turn it sideways, uh, you can keep (laughs) the game organized really, really well without having to get any sort of custom inserts or anything. Uh, and, you know, all the pieces, there's nice, you know, like, chunky wood pieces with nice, bright, you know, vibrant colors, um, big, chunky pieces of cardboard for all the money and, you know, all the other tokens and everything. So, uh, component-wise, it's, it's real good. Um, it's just that, you know, you know, the gameplay is good, not necessarily something that's going to be, you know, a long-time classic, um, but certainly a good choice for a gateway game for Euros uh, and, mm-hmm. and, and action selection specifically.
1: Yeah, so they they have expanded the the game with the Scoundrels of Skullport. Is that what it's called?
0: That sounds right. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I've re- I mean I haven't played with the expansion, but I've read that the expansion uh, keeps the game a little bit fresher. Yeah, I I've, it's one
0: of those games that I've seen it referred to as like a game or an expansion that is basically like an essential expansion to the base yeah. game.
1: Yeah, it's like a it adds some like quote unquote fixes
0: to the game. Exactly, yeah. So I, I've read that, too. I, I've never really tried it, so I don't know exactly how how much that changes the game. Yeah. But I, I kind of feel like if a base game isn't good enough to play, then yeah. we also shouldn't be talking about whether or not the expansion is also
1: worth getting. Right, that's um, kind of how I feel about the, those, the, as you said, quote, you know, essential expansions as well. It's like, yeah. the game shouldn't need to be f- fixed. Right, right,
0: right. You know, when we talked about Zaya, uh, I wanted to wait until we had the expansion. But it was only because I wanted to be able to talk about how much value that added to the base game. Because we'd already played the base game and I already wanted to talk about it. But it was an example of me saying, this game's really cool, I really like it, but I've heard that the expansion makes it even this much better.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, like... Zaya on its own, I think, was fine. It was a fun game yeah
0: yeah um and, and i think this game is fine for what it is as long as you're not expecting more than what we've described uh and then if you want to make it deeper and better maybe that expansion helps you with that but we can't speak to that because we haven't played it so right yeah. but that is what we have heard so
1: uh how much does this game real retail for let's see uh it's
0: showing up on amazon as 35 bucks msrp is 50 I've, uh i feel like 35 is fair 35 super fair. I, yeah. You know, 35 is a great price to pay for something that is a gateway game. Or let's say you're just trying to build up a collection. You know, there's a lot of people that are getting into this hobby now, right? Like, they're yep. new to the hobby, new wish to the hobby... And maybe they've gotten you know Azul because they heard that was really great, and then they bought Gloomhaven because they've heard amazing things about Gloomhaven. Well, maybe they're looking for something that's a little bit easier and, and and faster to play, and happens to have that action selection mechanic, worker placement mechanic that you know they've heard about before, and you know they don't want to spend sixty seventy bucks on Agricola. Well, hey, maybe this is a good place for them to start, right? Yeah, I'd, yeah. yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, think that this is a good starting place. Uh, I just, you know, I don't think that it's going to be something that's going to take you, uh, you're not going to be sunsetting your career in board games with Lords of Waterdeep <laughs> as far as I can tell. No, no, not, not as far as I, I'm concerned either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's all, right. all there is really for Lords of Waterdeep. So, you know, uh, w- worth a try if you're into, uh, if you're looking to try some, some new Euro games with, uh, I guess a uh, little bit of a pasted
1: on fantasy theme. <laughs> yeah. That, Very like, pissed uh, on Like fantasy a really, theme. really pissed on this, you think. Yeah. Yeah, that I think of all of the the expectations I had, that was sort of like the biggest disappointment to me was you know, when you slap yeah. Dungeons and Dragons on something, you're expecting a certain level you know, of adventure.
0: Yeah, you know when when you say that it reminds me that when I first played this game, you know, like seven years ago or whatever, that that was a disappointment to me at the time too. It yeah. was just how the theme really had no integration with the mechanics in a way that made it feel real um but having played the game probably a couple dozen times already since then uh it i just don't even think about it anymore right yeah i mean it's a decent game for what it is it's just just a worker placement game it's just a (laughs) fairly simple worker placement game um and that's just all i viewed it as for a long time now yeah 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 all right so next week we're gonna be going back to one of jason and i's classic games i know this showed up on Our top ten list uh, a long time ago, so (laughs) we're kind of showing our hand here, but we're going to be talking about uh, Forbidden Desert, Uh, so we'll be kind of like digging into that and talking about what it is that we like about Forbidden Desert, because our opinions are already out there on public record that we like Forbidden Desert, so we're going to talk about that. Um, In our opinions, that is a classic, so we'll be talking about what is great about Forbidden Desert. Jason, if anybody would like to get a hold of us and tell us why they hate Forbidden Desert
1: and why Forbidden Island is so much better, how would they do so? All right, well, if you want to tell us how fabulous it would be to live on a forbidden island instead of in the middle of the desert, uh, you can email us. Uh, Actually, you don't really need to tell us that. We can probably figure it out. (laughs) uh, You can email us. It's podcast at limitedplaytime.com. You can go to the website, limitedplaytime.com. You can tweet us at limitedplaytime or go to Instagram at limitedplaytimepodcast. We
0: would love to hear from you, so please send in all your wonderful island-falling-into-the-earth-or-desert-destroying-you-with-a-tornado fantasies that you have. <laughs> my fantasy is to get blown away in a uh-huh. desert, desert yeah. windstorm. So I can't reconstruct my crazy whirlygig plane <laughs> machine. airship yeah. thing, yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We will see you in one week. <laughs> Bye. Later.